0: Hello everyone, you're listening to Game Rivals, a podcast where a Nintendo fan and a PlayStation fan talk about the latest games and happenings in the gaming community and industry. I'm one of your hosts, Maximilian X, and together with Sean Templar, we bring you this bi-weekly podcast about video games.
1: Hey guys, welcome to a new episode of The Game Rivals. It's been a really really long time. Almost a month since we've uh, done an episode. Um I'm here with one of my uh, co-hosts or with my only co-host Maximilian X. Um we've had some technical difficulties, but it's good to be back. Not uh... Uh, what do you think about that Max?
0: Yeah, it's great to be back. It's uh it's been a while. it's been a really long while. Uh yeah, so there was the just a little uh, housekeeping, there was a little bit of a technical snafu on uh, my end um, where we basically couldn't record for a while until I actually figured out that good old Anchor actually had a solution for us the whole time, so we now have a temporary solution so we can be live with you guys, our fellow game rivals, um, and talk to you about guys about the latest things in the gaming industry and the latest games that we've been playing which is not a lot
1: from my point of view. I hope you've been playing a lot, but uh, we'll get to that. It's been var- it's been varied on my end. It's been varied. Okay, mm-hmm. nice. Well, my, my picks for this week are pretty boring, I think, for people. But hey, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> I believe one of the first things we're going to talk about is our new segment. Um, I know that uh, there was some funky business over at Riot Games, the developers of League of Legends, um, but I haven't really
0: been following it, so maybe you want to lead us in. Uh, Yeah, so this is something that I was aware of last year, but it seems to have spun out of control. So basically what has been happening, uh, for those that are not in the know, um, the working culture at Riot Games has not been the most ethical, to say it lightly. Um, Basically what you had was a very uh what do you what's that word they uh, like to use again mill um, toxicity it's been very like mill centric there over at riot games um the the guys over there tend to um, harass the women that work at riot games their their female coworkers in some um very very disturbing ways um things that I honestly would not want to repeat on the podcast. Um, one of the things that they tend to do was for, uh, allegedly, uh, I have to say it, allegedly, is give all the female coworkers workers um, saucy nicknames. Uh, and quite honestly, that's pretty disgusting because they're your co um, Like Even in general, just don't do that. That's just wrong. Um, they've also, there's also been like the physical sexual assault, assault um, uh, been alleged there as well by their, by, by female workers at um, Riot Games. And whenever they bring it up to the higher ups um, and when it even comes to a point where they actually end up trying to sue whoever it is that's been harassing them they are forced into arbitration so basically they settle outside of court and basically say well never speak of this again um uh, which they're forced into because apparently it's in their contracts or something that they're not allowed to sue other coworkers or something like that um there's a whole thing about it you could probably find it on the web but basically what has been ha- what has happened this past week as we're talking which is what, the 6th of February, of uh, February, of uh, May, is um, a bunch of uh, people at Riot Games decided to organize a strike. So they walked out of work uh, this past Monday about, I think, somewhere between 150 and 200 people working at Riot just went out on strike saying they're not going to work until things change uh, at Riot Games as a form of a protest, which is an industry first, because I don't think even, even development houses that have had terrible working conditions like crunch and stuff like that, they have never went out on a strike before. And to be fair, this is not an industry that has a union which is also part of the thing that has been coming up more and more recently um, is that game developers Unionized, want to I believe unionize. At GD-
1: at the GDC, they had a, a survey and I believe a small majority wants the game industry to unionize. So hopefully it'll happen because as, well, as glorious as the game industry looks, the conditions in it are generally, at least the stories you hear, generally are pretty bad. I mean, yeah, I mean you, you don't I mean, have even a lot in, of rights.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, even if you go back like a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Anthem and the development hell that that went through, um, that, that, is even, that is even setting apart the fact that there's... Even if you take away the part of the fact of right games and the harassment, I can only assume that considering the kind of game that they, that they develop... That there is a bunch of crunch that that there also is a bunch of overworking and either not getting paid for it or being expected to work overtime, which is something that is very common in the in the development industry,
1: yeah, I remember last year there was an executive who left riot games because he was so shocked by the situation there. And he later had an interview with, uh, with Kotaku, I believe or was a big game site. And they kind of explained what happened there, that they had this uh, company retreat. And then um, during one of those, they did some the team bonding and stuff like that. And during one of the sessions, um, they were talking about um, that sometimes when they want to implement a feature that they shouldn't accept no for an answer and they should keep on pushing until they maybe f- might find a way to do it. And from there, the phrase no means yes uh, came out, which some people know, no means yes is also used in a sexual offense way. So mm-hmm. that phrase came out, and then at the end of the day, when they were recapping with the whole studio, that, that phrase kind of slipped in with the recap slides, and it became a thing that they were saying internally. And they didn't mean it from a sexual point of view, but... Um, what happened afterwards is that some people in the following weeks went to this executive and said, Hey, I wasn't there at the company retreat. And was, these were female coworkers. And they said, Hey, um, I'm hearing the phrase no means yes a lot. And I find that disturbing because we generally um, associate that with sexual assault. And he was kind of shocked by it. And the more he tried to fight for these female coworkers, the more he got. Uh, backlash and and people starting to work against him, even upper management he confronted some of them, and they kind of did this this psychological mind game in which they were in a meeting with the c e o and h r and legal and this and this executive was bringing up his case and and they were playing this mind game in which they would ask him how he felt and why he felt that and then when he would present another case he would they would ask him again, how do you feel and if we were to do this, but they would constantly Say the same answer or loop so he would eventually just tire out and give up. And eventually, he couldn't take the situation and he left. There was a pretty big backlash and pretty big article. A lot of people that worked at Riot anonymously contributed to the article, so they weren't in a good standing. And hearing this, yeah, it's kind of strange that they can still keep on, they still get away with these things,
0: yeah. Um, it's actually kind of surprising well it's not surprising because again as I said before um, allegedly in their contracts they're not allowed to sue uh, Riot Games or people that work at Riot Games otherwise they're forced into arbitration so yeah that's how they've been keeping this kind of stuff under wraps but people are speaking up now which is great because you, you can't run a company this way it is unacceptable like completely unacceptable i agree Uh, i hope the situation improves it it better i mean i'm not a league of legends guy so in terms of games it's not something that i'm really looking at but in terms of someone who uh is intrigued by the game development industry the just the game development interests it's a really cool aspect to look at, and I know that there are, that it is a job and it's very tough on people, but the things that they make is amazing, but it shouldn't be at the cost of it shouldn't be at the cost of people not feeling good about themselves working at the place, working the job that they wanted to for so long yeah. So, oh, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, I just hope it gets better. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so speaking of depressing stuff, let's switch it up and talk about something hopefully a little bit less depressing um, and a little bit more exciting and hopefully a lot less um, controversial, which is, of <laughs> course, the announcement of the new... Ghost Recon Badlands. Wait, is that the right one? Badlands, right? No, the last one.
1: <laughs> the last one was
0: Ghost Recon Wildlands. Yeah, but this, this one is, is called, called uh it's called Breakpoint. Ghost Recon oh, Breakpoint. Breakpoint. Wait, why did I think <laughs> that? I think I made the same mistake last time we talked. You said it yesterday as well, like, oh, is this a <laughs> sequel to Badlands? <laughs> yeah, Wildlands.
1: <laughs> <laughs> If a uh, Ubisoft executive is listening yeah. or a Ubisoft employee, he'll be really happy that you ruined the game's name.
0: <laughs> well, they shouldn't call the first one Wildlands because that one was I believe Badlands
1: is something from uh, uh, Borderlands, I believe.
0: Is it? No, that's just Borderlands.
1: No 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 it's an uh, I believe it's an area in Borderlands. I, yeah. I remember there's there's a game and it's a, it's one of those post apocalyptic Mad Max esque games that has an area that is called the Badlands. Maybe that's why you're
0: uh referencing Yeah. It. maybe who you knows? <laughs> <Yeah. No. laughs> but anyway, it's
1: Ghost Recon Breakpoint, not Badlands.
0: Mm. Uh did you see the unveiling? So here's the thing. I Saw it on YouTube. I saw it happening, but i didn't think that it was a new game. I thought it was an expansion for wildlands mm, okay so I am completely in the I, I still need to look up the trailer and like the reveal footage and what 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 it's all about but okay. um the only thing the literally the only thing I got that I got from it was that it is a direct sequel to wildlands. But yes. unlike Wildlands, it's not set in an actual country that has been no. represented poorly in the game. But it's set in a fictional country, and they yes. can do whatever they want.
1: Yes, and that's the beauty of it. So um, <clears throat> <laughs> that um, should not be the beauty of it. <laughs> no, but you know the, the thing is, is um, the game takes place on a fictional island in the Pacific Ocean called Aroa which is a pretty big island. It has the diverse environments like the previous Ghost Recon. So Mm -hmm. the the, the snowy mountains, the desert, the jungle, all that stuff is there. So there's a lot of variation from the the environments. It's also bigger than the previous game. And I thought that the previous game was already big enough. Um, And what's cool about it this time is is the setting is that um, there's this technology company which is uh, located on that island and the the founder of that company is kind of this tech genius and he has a vision that he wants to make the world better he made wants to make tomorrow better through technology and so he develops um good technology put it that way but he also develops weapons technology which enhance battles and combats and stuff like unmanned drones and um tactical nukes and whatever. There's a pretty cool infographic trailer in which they show you what he develops. Um, And what happens is that I believe from the trailer, it looks like the US government or the Pentagon loses contact with the island, and then they send you in as the ghosts to um, secure them and get them out or something like that. And then you get shot down, you crash land on the island, and then the game starts from there. the cool part about the enemies you're facing against, because in the last Ghost Recon, it was the the Unidad, as they called it, which was kind of a um, a l- army of the public slash um, corrupt army, and then you also had the Santa Blanca cartel, which were these drugs dealings uh, narcos, which were also the enemies. Now you're facing up against the Wolves, which are actually a rogue unit of the Ghost Recon. So they oh okay uh, yeah they outgun you they outnumber you they know your tactics they are superiorly advanced from a technology point of view they have the latest in tech so that's going to make it a bit more difficult um compared to the dumb uh, drug dealers you were facing in the previous game
0: ah uh, there's no more cocaine in this game
1: uh, probably not. No, there's no puff puff bash this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so th- what they showed was there was a f- few cool new mechanics in there such as you can camouflage yourself. So for example, if you're crawling around in the mud, you can camouflage yourself by smearing mud over yourself so you blend in with the environment. Um, so that's something cool. And you have this... Also called a muddy snake. Yeah. And um, <laughs> you can also, for example, if you get hurt you have your body reacts to it so if you get shot in your arm for example you won't be able to aim down the sides or if you get shot in your leg you won't be able to sprint and you'd have to get to cover and to patch yourself up it's kind of it looks like the mechanic from the far cry games Um when where you get shot you for example put a knife in your hand and you take out the bullet and then you bandage yourself up um, but here it really has gameplay implications so that looked cool Um, If a teammate gets shot down, you can carry him to safety and then revive him. Um, There are multiple classes this time you can choose from the PvP and the PvE are there from day one. So with the last Ghost Recon PvP, the sort of multiplayer got added in later. Now it's there day one. There's also going to be a raid, which is a first for Ghost Recon because it's not really a... at least it wasn't really an RPG, so it's funny to see that they're adding a raid to the game. Hmm. Um, and the experience between your character is shared through all parts of the game. So if you you create a character and you take the same character into PvP, into, into PvE, so you don't have to level again when you start on the multiplayer. So you carry everything through all the segments of the game. Um, the game is also fully co-op playable, like the previous one. So that makes it really cool. From uh, start to finish? From start to finish, like the previous one, yeah. Oh,
0: okay. that's Yeah,
1: good and the cool one is, is the bad guy is someone we know is an is an actor. His name is John, Ber- I don't know if I'm going to pronounce it right, is the guy that plays the Punisher, John Bernthal. I don't know if you've seen. Really? Him. Yeah, he's the bad guy. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, so what they did is they introduced his character in the last week, I believe, or the week after. Before, um, Ghost Recon Wildlands got a content update in which he was added to the game as a ghost. So he was your ally. And then Mm -hmm. apparently in that DLC, you find out why he turns to the dark side and becomes the enemy in Breakpoint. Okay, wow. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. That's some good synergy. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really curious to see. And the funny part is, it's coming out this year, October 4th. They've already given it the release
0: date. I'm surprised that they announced this before E3. Yeah,
1: they said they're going to show more at E3. They said that, um, the, for example, the multiplayer will be shown at Gamescom, and we'll mm-hmm. see more of the single player at E3. So they're okay, going cool. yeah, to go all out.
0: Yeah. Good on them.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to it. the. I played the for the the last uh, Wildlands and. Um, I really liked it, it just was a bit too repetitive. So eventually you would have to do the same mission over and over, or you could stick to one strategy and just keep repeating it in all the areas. Um, but when you played the game in co-op, which I did, it really shined. So this is one of those games you really want to play with your
0: friends. OK. Because yeah. I know that it didn't, I know that Wildlands didn't have the best of reputations. And I think partially it was because of the, the repetitive uh, mission structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the missions themselves weren't that interesting to people I don't know I'm not 100% sure I mean you played it so I'm, I'm sure you can vouch for the missions themselves despite yeah, the main missions. missions were cool but you had these side missions and
1: a lot of the stuff if you want you could just play the main missions constantly and then finish the game and the game also had two endings so that was kind of cool but I'm one of those, in some games, I'm the collector type of guy. So I want to collect everything in the area and then move on to the next one, as long as they don't make it too hard. So for example, with Spider-Man, they just show you all the collectibles. So I just did all the collectibles in the areas first and then moved on. And the same was was kind of done with Wildlands. So you could see all the weapons and the attachments. So we just go into an area and collect the weapons and the attachments first and then move on to the mission. Um, but, yeah, some of those side missions were really repetitive.
0: <laughs> oh well, let's see and hope that they fixed it for this time. yeah, yeah, yeah. who knows I'm am sh- like here's the thing the Ubisoft seems to learn from their mistakes, yeah most of the times, but implementing them is always kind of a gamble, most of the times they'll do like a step and a half and then the other half is like wait wait why why is this still kind of broken
1: what they do is is they use the same strategy for a lot of their games which is they bring out an okay game or a good game and then they finish it up with the post-launch content so they make it better with the the post-launch content so for example with um rainbow six siege when that game came out it was Terribly received. Nobody liked it. Bad reviews or whatnot. And now it's already on its fourth year pass and people keep on playing it. So they really stepped up and fixed the game in the after the uh, launch. And it's kind of same strategy they pulled with The Division. It's the same strategy they pulled with Wildland. So the same thing with For Honor. So it's kind of a UB strategy that if it doesn't sell well or it doesn't, if it's not great at the beginning they'll make it great at the end with post
0: post launch updates which begs the question what the uh what the over under is on wildlands because I'm kind of curious what kind of sales numbers that did but that's they said that it up. had
1: uh, around 15 million players i don't know if it's true does right? that mean,
0: okay but does that mean that they sell 50 million more than 50 million copies of the game uh, i don't know maybe I mean, that's the only way you can achieve that. The game I'm came sure. out two that's... years ago, so... Okay, I mean, well, okay, that's fair. Yeah. It's, that's it. That's actually impressive. Really.
1: Yeah, I mean, games can do a million a day, so yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah.
0: And there was Speaking another
1: exciting of... uh, stuff yesterday, and that was State of Play again. Yeah.
0: A which... Very short, in a very, very short period of time. Yeah,
1: I which think we because... kind of didn't know.
0: Okay. Because we talked about the first state of play, I think, either a month or six weeks ago.
1: Wait, are you seriously saying something about that? Because I can remember Nintendo doing these things. No, no no no, really no, no, really short, no, 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 no. So let's not no, go no. there.
0: No, that's not it. That is not it. I am saying that I'm surprised that they were doing something so soon after the first one. Because, honestly, I didn't expect them to... Well, A, announce a new one before E3, and B, I didn't expect them to actually announce new stuff in this one, despite the length of it, because it was only, what, 12 minutes. minutes long? 10 minutes? minutes yeah. yeah. So.
1: Yeah, maybe they'll do one at E3,
0: but uh, I, I like this one. They were, like, to the point. This Yeah, this one was way, way better than the first one. Yeah mostly because they didn't bore me to tears with all the VR stuff but also mostly because they actually kept it nice and tight. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. is also, like, two... before like, can can, yeah. we, can we like before we start by saying that um we we're, I, I, we're not going to talk about what comes at the end because I want to keep that for the end of this conversation. But let me just say the event started with a hint And I thought they were going to talk about that certain hint, but they didn't until the very end, which was really cool. But, yeah. (laughs) Okay, let's keep it mysterious. (laughs) I mean, Uh, probably there are people that know what it is, but, yeah, let's keep it mysterious.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I, I have the list in front of me. They announced six games and a limited
0: edition PlayStation Color. How many of those were actually games that we didn't know about again? I think it was about like two or three. Uh, this one, we
1: didn't, there's one, two, four we didn't know about, two we knew about.
0: Yeah. So they yeah. started it off with... Um, what's Monster called Hunter. Again? Monster Hunter. Iceborne. Iceborne, Ice yeah. <laughs> yes. The, oh. I, the, 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 the expansion to Monster Hunter World which is essentially what they used to do as a separate game, but now it's an expansion pack for World, Which is really cool, because this is literally the first time they've done anything like that. Because basically in Japan, you would get the base version of Monster Hunter, and like a year or so later, they'd release the G version of that, which is the ultimate version that used to come here in the West, but now they've completely abandoned that for this DLC expa- paid DLC expansion which is coming out later this year and they already, I think they announced it sometime late last year I think during the Game Awards but now we are seeing a lot more about it and it's so cool to me personally as a Monster Hunter fan the thing that I was not expecting was they were, them to reintroduce a monster that was specifically introduced in monster hunter 4 ultimate from the 3ds game the nut the the narga kuga which is this dragon at the end no no it's this bat like kind of creature um oh yeah that's on all fours that 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 dude there's a badass nice yeah it's a badass monster the
1: funny thing about monster hunter world is is i bought it last year it came out last year i believe right
0: uh early last year yeah
1: yeah so i bought it last year in january i believe and then i played it for like a week i think and Did then you i never touched alone? it no i played it with a friend but really? we, the, yeah the funny thing is we were really excited about the game we played it for a week and then we never touched it again
0: <laughs> wow what's the friend into Monster Hunter to begin with because yeah it was it, both like we never really played the Monster Hunter game
1: so this was uh, the reviews were super positive so we were like okay let's try yeah. it and we were yep. we were excited we really liked it it's just that I don't know um, we just didn't play it after that there's no specific reason for it so
0: yeah you, I mean, you guys needed the sensei I don't you know. you guys needed the sensei but it's it's kind of. It's weird to say, but it's kind of a Monster Hunter trap. But if you've never played Monster Hunter before and you dive headfirst into a Monster Hunter with someone who is not an experienced Monster Hunter player, you'll taper off real quickly. If you have a Monster Hunter sensei, in quotes, where where they basically play with you all the time and guide you through it and teach you the ways of the hunt... Uh, then, then you'll totally appreciate it and it's a, a hoot and a half to play
1: if words like sensei and the huns pop up never mind I'm not gonna I don't wanna bother
0: you don't wanna bother because you don't like
1: fun oh I love fun and I have fun other ways but I just can't handle a sensei cause then I'll probably be a Grasshopper.
0: No, no, you're just a hunter. So I mean for everybody say. else. Anyways, but, um, yeah. It, so it's coming was out the second game that was? Yeah, it's coming out. I think in on September sixth. Yeah, yeah, September sixth. Yeah, it looks um, cool. They're adding
1: ice and, and and snowy regions and whatnot. Super cool. Super excited. Um,
0: we'll have to wait and see. I'm looking forward to it. I'll try to look forward to it, Sensei. <laughs> so the next game on the list was a new game that we hadn't heard about yet, which kind of reminds me of three D three uh, D dot Heroes that was on the PlayStation Three. Um, what was this game called again? Was it Riverbond it was something like? Yeah, Riverbond. Yeah. Yeah. So it it's looked really cool. It's indie game. Yeah, it's an indie. It's a it's an indie co op game, like a like a top down isometric kind of game. Um a little bit uh Diablo esque with the dungeon crawly aspect to it. Looks fun. Yeah and
1: they're a crossover Looks, skin uh, from other games. Yeah.
0: Yeah from other indie from other indie characters like Shovel Knight and Guacamele and, and uh, the Dungeon and Bastion, the kid. And, uh no, no. that I haven't seen the kid in so long. <laughs> and yeah and Resputon from Psychonauts yeah, it's really. They have like really cool cameos in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Th- that that's also another game that I'm actually kind of looking forward to because I haven't played a dungeon crawler in quite a while, and a co-op one at that. So it would be nice to get back into something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. It also got.
0: Ah. Uh, uh, I thought it was Sokol when I saw
1: it, but apparently it was Predator Hunting Grounds.
0: Predator. Yeah,
1: oh yeah, it's a multiplayer game.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I don't think that, like, was this ever leaked? Because I don't think that will, not, not, not even like a hint or a fart in the wind. Um, not that about I know, this no. no. Nah, neither, nah, I mean, I tried to keep my ear to the ground in terms of stuff like this, but yeah, this either this completely passed me by in the rumor mills or nobody was talking about it at all.
1: I, I can see from here that they're still pre- they they're still pretty early in development, and the game is due out next year.
0: Yeah, it's a twenty twenty title, but yeah. it is being handled by Sony Worldwide Studios in cooperation with Twentieth Century. I don't. Which recently got bought by Disney. I don't so know. That's a thing. The developers, Ilfonic. Yeah, the develop so. Um, do you know the friday the 13th the game yeah yeah it's those developers okay but is it a playstation exclusive well it's made by sony worldwide Studios, so i'm assuming yeah you sure yeah because they said sony worldwide studios at the beginning so Uh... if it's not an exclusive that would be really weird oh yeah sony interactive entertainment presents i missed that part yeah so it's published by sony yeah, yeah, which yeah. means oh. it's a it's an exclusive, really but it's done for by the guys that made the Friday the Thirteenth game, which is really awesome because that was a Kickstarter game. I didn't play that game. You did? not That was free on PlayStation Plus. I got it, but I didn't play it. Okay, then we should play it because it is, it is interesting. At I'm least not it'll into, give you uh, into horror games. It, it'll give you a sense of as to what Predator is going to be like at the very least. So at least for that aspect alone, we should try and play it. I
1: played the other game. What was it called? The
0: Dead by Daylight? Yeah, I
1: played that one. I didn't like that one.
0: Yeah, but that was yeah. Um. So that was Predator. <laughs> yeah. And the next game that they uh, showed off was, I think Medieval. Yeah. Which, I don't know. Did you play Medieval back in the day? No, that's why I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, I didn't either, but I didn't for the same reason. I I'm not really looking forward to it now. Are you scared uh, by the skeleton? No, it's just you know back when in back in the mid 90s when every like everybody and their brother was trying to come up with a mascot character for their video game. Yeah, it just felt like on just another mascot character, especially during that era when Sony was trying to find their own mascot like Mario or Sonic. I thought Crash Bandicoot was it for the first gen. I mean, that's what most people also associate with it, including myself. But in that period, they had a lot of games that they were trying to push as like, oh, this is the Sony mascot. You're not going to find their games on any other system but PlayStation yeah okay. i mean it was crash it was spyro it was Clonoa, it was daniel sir daniel from medieval it was abe like at oh, a certain time, at a certain point they were pushing abe for, for i remember for, for, man that game was so weird so weird yeah, um, so I've never really had. I mean, I might try it if the price is right. It's 30 euros. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you have to trust my arm to try it, but not my thing. That's um, okay. What okay. was my thing was the next game in line that we didn't know about, which was Away. A simu- what was it? A simulation survival?
1: I honestly don't know, and this is not one of those games that I even want to try to play. So, (laughs) I I don't feel like flying like a raccoon or whatever. I don't have time
0: for that. I think it was a flying lemur. I'm not sure about that. I don't know. I saw a big-ass spider at at the end. I'm
1: like, okay, I don't like spiders. I ain't going to play this (laughs) shit, man.
0: I don't like spiders. (laughs) (laughs) And then I told you about the game that this looks like, and I thank God I'm not the only one that said that it looked like that game. Online Because it looks a lot like deadly creatures from the Wii, which was a game in a similar vein as the way, but you play as a tarantula and a scorpion in the desert, and you're trying to survive. And while you're trying to survive, you're following these two guys that are trying to find treasure in the desert. So it's kind of this weird kind of dual story that's happening. Um, but it's really cool I mean you you get to play as a tarantula and bite other insects and kill uh, Still not
1: doing water that? monitors
0: and stuff like that Well, you don't like talking about spiders no i don't
1: like spiders
0: <laughs> Well how about scorpions? Would you like playing as the scorpion i don't like insects in general uh technically not an insect buddy. Uh, What's it called? The an anthropologist
1: or something? Are you an anthropologist?
0: You, you, you just don't like creepy crawlies. That's what you're coming at, right?
1: Yeah. Just give me a,
0: a lion or a tiger or a little kitty cat. Uh, or a flying lemur. Right? Or a flying lemur? No. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, to me, that actually looked very interesting. So I'm. I, honestly, if again, if the price is right, I would love to check out away.
1: Well, I think it, it's not <laughs> I don't think it's a
0: good game. it's going to charge you sixty bucks, so
1: uh,
0: I'm assuming it's not, but you never know these days. so yeah, do you want to talk but, about uh, the
1: last game, or do you want to talk about that later because you said something about not wanting to mention it?:
0: Well, let's talk about the thing they announced before the last game.
1: Which is this the colors? The state edition? of play.
0: The state of play. What was it called?
1: The days of play limited edition gun. No
0: gun gray. Gun gray. gray metal gray, know, gray. Something gray. like that. It looks I like space is gray. gray. Uh, okay. Um, why? Because it's the days of play are coming up. So uh, yeah. Yeah, I think. know the I know the days of players coming up. That's the thing that they do around E three. Why do you need a special version of a PlayStation 4 to commemorate that, in quotes?
1: I don't know. Maybe it's to push sales, kind of like what Microsoft did with the discless uh, Xbox. Oh,
0: uh, oy vey. That, that is actually one that we should have talked about during uh, during the news, but oy vey. Didn't we talk about it last time? We talked about it last time, but... Um, oy vey. Oy um, That is uh not being received well. What the discless the the discless Xbox? Yeah, also known as the Xbox Sad, because that's the acronym for Xbox One S All Digital. Why is it not being received well? Well, other than it being called Sad and the fact that it kind of kills the whole four K. Blu-ray aspect of the S. Like that's and so important. Well, some people like that. I mean, the PlayStation 4 isn't doing 4K Blu-rays. and Not that we're missing it. Well, there are people that actually do miss it, but most importantly, it's not that cheap because you can get an Xbox One S with I think two or three games For the same price and it has a disc drive, so why would you even bother? Let me just check that
1: really quick Okay, so what I can see is the S All Digital Edition retails for two twenty nine, and if I look for a Xbox One S with the disc drive, that one I can find for. I can find one for 229 with a one-terabyte hard drive or for 245 with a one-terabyte and PUBG. Or...
0: Why would you want that
1: anyways? For 244 with a one-terabyte hard drive and Forza Horizon 4. So why would I want to buy the Disclos Xbox one?
0: Well, maybe it's just that the European bundles suck butt. I don't know, <laughs> but yeah. Suffice to say, I I don't know. That was a that was you know what S- state of state of play. Uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, days of Play PlayStation 4 Special Edition.
1: Weird flex, but okay. I'm happy that Sony got your seal of approval. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Maximilian X, and I approve of this PlayStation color.
0: No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, coming back around to what we were hinting at at the beginning, which they were hinting at at the beginning, there was this very peculiar chime that they had before the event started, which I was talking about, which was a chime that you could hear in a certain game back in the day called Final Fantasy VII. And what did they end up with? With a surprise Final Fantasy VII trailer, of, gameplay III, trailer. of course. Yeah. gameplay trailer, yeah. Which I was completely, I was not. I was so surprised seeing that because I did not expect that to happen at all. I just figured, well, they just brought out Kingdom Hearts three, so it's going to be at least another. Um, whole year at least before Tetsuya Nomura talks about that game. But uh, surprise, surprise, Uh, they showed some new gameplay footage, and they even promised to show more at E3. I don't know
1: if... uh, Astounding. Did you you read the rumors about that this game might be an episodic game, and that it might be released over the years instead of as one full game?
0: Oh. Oh, that is not a rumor, my dear friend. That is something that Tatsuyu Nomura actually mentioned, I think, two or three years ago. Uh oh. Yeah, but now people are saying. Now people are saying, well, it's been so long, they -hmm. don't expect it to be that. Mm Mm-hmm. Um. But I honestly don't know because this footage that they showed, even though it's gameplay footage, it's still just um. Uh. Dang it, what's that city called again? Um, Alva? What? Alpha? What? Never mind. (laughs) I could not understand what you were saying because your mouth is full of stuff.
1: I'm uh, enjoying a lion.
0: Oh. You mean the 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 the, the 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 chocolate bar. I was talking I was about to say, wow, you're full of butt. Yeah, the candy bar, <laughs> yeah, the candy bar you mean. <laughs> mm. Yeah, uh, Midgar. Thank you, Jeeves Louise. Midgar. Like all the footage that we saw was of Midgar. So <sighs> that kind of weighs into the credence of that they announced that it was probably gonna be episodic. I mean, it's been three years, so four. if. Oh, wow, jeez, Luis, four mm-hmm. years. If Midgar is all you have to show for it. Uh, yeah. I don't think that it's going to come out as a whole game anytime soon. So, yeah. Yeah. Just the way but I will say this. I was impressed with what I saw. Wow, It was very pretty. And this is coming for someone who doesn't have nostalgia about Final Fantasy VII. Because it's not a game that I grew up with or played. My Final Fantasy VII of all time is Final Fantasy VI, followed by Final Fantasy IX. So there's that. But yeah. I mean, it looks really pretty. If they paid even a tenth of a percent to other stuff that they have been remaking, (coughs) then at least we would have some quality products from Square Enix evenly. Are you also choking on a line? Because I didn't hear what you say. I am not choking on. No. Did you just say say uh, Sword of Bada? No, not sort of Mana, Secret of Mana. Oh, that one, yeah,
1: that one, your favorite game. Secret
0: right. of Mana. Yeah, sort of Mana is completely different. Um, is but yeah, they... The, yeah, yeah, it does. it's the first game in the line. Oh. Yeah. Look, you learned something. Seiken- oh. yeah. But, uh, yeah, to catch... Like, that is the one thing that they've been at least consistent with, with between the first and the second state of play. They ended on a strong game. They ended on the first one they ended with Mortal Kombat, and that was a killer trailer for Mortal Kombat 11. And now they ended with Final Fantasy VII, which is arguably the most anticipated game for the PlayStation 4 besides the Last of Us part Two.
1: I think they'll so,
0: do the next one with the last bus. Yeah, I mean, at this point, basically they're, they, they are taking um, the whole free-form approach to state of play, which is, which is good because that's basically how you're supposed to handle stuff like this. Um, it gives you the freedom to announce stuff when you want to announce it. It gives you control of the narrative. And it keeps you in the zeitgeist, especially considering considering the stuff that they announced, combining that with the stuff they announced earlier in the year, they kind of still don't have a lot. But at least it, you're aware of the stuff that's coming to PlayStation 4. Yeah.
1: Sorry. There's exciting stuff coming, but not this year.
0: Most actually, huh? I mean, they announced stuff that is definitely coming out this year, but they also announced stuff that is like nowhere near this year. So, ah, I guess you're right. Oh, you kind of Um, nope. Uh, wow, that went on a bit longer than I actually thought. So, ah, <laughs> uh, wow now you really feel as if you've been gone for a while that you have like a lot of stuff that you just need to get off your chat <laughs> <laughs> oh man so yeah i almost I, considered
1: these sessions as a therapy session <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, they, they do have a relaxing uh effect so that, that's nice and uh hopefully people are enjoying it as we are talking about these uh Big news, news uh, articles and titles and stuff like that. So we enjoy bringing it to you guys. So let's close off this first segment. We'll take a quick break and come back with what we've been playing. And welcome back to what we've been playing. So, Sean Templar, it's been a while, so I'm assuming you had a bunch of stuff to play. What have you been playing?
1: I think that I'm gonna shock a lot of people by how little I have been playing recently. Um <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's because I'm I don't know if it's because we're getting older or not, but I sometimes have these moments that I enjoy following the news around gaming more than actually playing the games more so that might explain why i don't play as much as i used to and i'm also i like single player games more and more often so maybe because there's not a lot of that around
0: that i'm just not playing as much as i used to yeah that's kind of been my medium throughout my whole gaming experience so yeah
1: I know that. Like in the past,
0: I could just sink
1: hours and hours in the games, and these days it's—I don't know—I can't do that anymore. So when a really, really good game comes out, like God of War or Red Dead Redemption, or I don't know, in Assassin's Creed games, I can maybe do it. But besides like AAA blockbusters, it's really hard to constantly grab a controller and say, "Okay, I'm gonna play a game now." Wow, I, I tend, tend to look more for bite-sized content and that's what my what you've been playing has been based around these few weeks I've been playing Mm -hmm. a lot of um, Formula One 2018 Um, I'm really starting to love that game Um, I started out you have a career mode in the game so I started out as a driver for Renault and um, the, the cool part is is I'm actually seeing myself grow in the game so we're in the first few races I would barely hit the goals that my team is asking of me. And then towards the middle part of the game, i started to notice that I'm actually exceeding those goals. Um, eventually I got to the part where I had to negotiate my contract. And then I thought, well, I could either stay at this team or let me just try to see what I can pull off. So I went to, uh, to talk to Mercedes, which is, uh, which has, which have been winning winning the, the, the championships the last four years. So, uh, yeah, I thought like, okay, let me try if I can get a contract with them. So I said, okay, this is my demands and this is what I want. And then they said, no, man, you want too much. So I thought, okay, let me just adjust my demands, see if I could get it locked in. And then I adjusted my demands and they all of a sudden said like, hey, we want you and you can be our first driver. And I was kind of shocked by it. And I actually didn't want to leave or no. So I was like, oh no, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave. <laughs> and then I kind of got tied up in it. And I'm now the first driver of Mercedes. I've won a couple of races. I'm the first in a championship. Um, okay, nice. It's it's really fun. It's um, um it, you can notice a difference in the developments of the car as well. In in when I was at Renault, I would struggle with certain tracks or I would struggle with certain elements, and then I noticed that the Mercedes car is so much more developed through. So I can do a lot more at high speeds. I uh, I have nailed down my my pit window, so I can box my car really quickly, and then still make it out as first instead of uh, ending up as last. Um, mm. Yeah, if, if you're not a Formula One fan, it's like I'm talking mumbo jumbo to you. But for the people <laughs> that, that know that that I play or that listen to this and love Formula One or follow it, they might understand what I'm saying. And I've also been playing uh, Motorsport Manager on the PC. Um, at first, when I started up the game, it was so overwhelming. That I immediately quit and I said okay I need a day because I can't do this right now uh, so I finally picked it up and motorsport manager is a motor is a, is a car manager game so you can pick different kinds of cars and then you can go into a league and manage a team I chose formula one duh yeah, um, absolutely. and the fun part is is it has team workshop in built in so you're not restricted to the leagues and the cars and the players that the developers put in but you can download, if somebody has a mod, for example, there's a mod for the latest Formula One uh, championship. So you can download those cars. You can download those drivers. You can have real-world sponsors. I had uh, Ikea and Samsung, for example, as a sponsor of my car. Um,
0: is, and, is, there a, is there a stat parody on that? Come again? Is The mods, do they have stat parody? Like how... Um, if you're playing FIFA or if you're playing uh NBA that they uh update the 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 stats of the teams that are that is act accurate to the real life um the developer doesn't do it so you'd have to download it through mods but uh yeah but but the mods do that then yeah partially yeah oh that's actually pretty cool
1: yeah yeah and um here it's really about managing the team and having a long-term vision so you have to make sure that your pit crew is up to speed and that they're not fatigued or they might mess up your pit when your pits or you have to make sure that you're developing parts for the car you have to make sure that your drivers are performing you get reports saying hey um you have a driver blah 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 he's really good so we might consider investing in him the other driver we're having, well, he's at his peak, so you might not want to invest as much time in him as your other driver, so you get a lot of advice. Um, you can also see, like, your, when you're doing the race, you can see, uh, like, your own small 3D little car driving over the track, which is really cool to see. Um, mm-hmm. It's really cool. I, I, I really love it. I've put some hours into it, and it's really fun. It pushes you to think from a different point of view because when you're playing formula one 2018 you're behind the wheel you can make the decisions and how to take the the corners and what to do and here you're kind of the long-term vision person behind the team and you have to make all those difficult decisions where i'm going to put my money in who i'm going to hire who i'm going to fire stuff like that
0: so that's really cool sean templar f1 manager yeah, hello.
1: My name is Sean Templer. I'm the team principal of BMW Racing. That's how my team is called.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's it for me. So I, I'm a so I'm assuming since it's a management game, your team is racing in seasons. Like how many seasons are you already into the game?
1: Uh, I'm still in the first season. The first. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't uh, know if it. there's a limit, but I think you can go as much as you want. There's also yeah. some depth in if you want to start low. So, for example, with Formula One, if you choose that as a as a car to be a manager of, you can say, I want to start in Formula Three and then go to Formula Two and then go to Formula One. So, you can actually work your way up if you want to. So, there's also some depth there instead of just starting in the top tier level. Yeah. So,
0: okay.
1: Yeah. That's Cool.
0: Yeah,
1: nice. Yeah, what have you been playing? So, it, I know, you've
0: been uh, excited
1: about some Labo stuff.
0: Yeah, I've been uh, I've been continuing to play more of the Labo. Um, mm. The updates for Mario Odyssey and Zelda Breath of the Wild uh, came out uh, a week after uh, the Labo launch, so I downloaded both of them and I tried them both out. Um, the Mario Odyssey content was specifically made for VR so they um, made some new levels built out of the assets from uh, Mario Odyssey and I mean they're not that complicated um, but they are nice it, it, you can pan, you can pan with, the, with the VR headset and look around you um, I recommend using a swivel chair so that you can just swivel around <laughs> without getting busy uh, and you control mario and you have to do some certain missions in these vignettes as it were and uh, when you complete it you uh, unlock stuff and at the last part you unlock a, a live concert in game of course where you can pan around look at all the characters from the game and control mario and make him dance and it's fun. It's 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 nice. It I mean, as far as a VR experience is concerned, it's not necessarily going to blow you away. I mean, it's not PlayStation VR or uh, or Oculus or HTC Vive, obviously, uh, not with that resolution. But for what it is, it is fun and entertaining, which is not what I can say about Breath of the Wild's VR experience because. That one was not made for VR. I'm kind of surprised that you're uh, so honest and open about uh, Breath of the Wild. Hey, I'm always honest and open about everything. Mm -hmm. It's just that our opinions differ. Nintendo fanboy. (laughs) No, no, no. Just (laughs) tell me how it is. Um, So, you've tried VR, right? Uh, I've played uh, with the Oculus Rift. Yeah. So, um, you know how head tracking works, right? Yeah. Basically, when you turn your head, you can look around in the environment. All right. And it's, it's free, so you don't have to worry about anything. For whatever reason, they retrofitted the VR experience to Breath of the Wild, and they made Link the anchor. So, if you have motion tracking on in Breath of the Wild for the first time when you're doing VR and you move your head, you're not moving the camera freely. You're moving the camera around link. What? Yeah, which obviously then induces motion sickness. With me, it just gave me a splitting headache, but I've heard from other people online and seen from other people online um, that they felt actual motion sickness and close to... um, uh, producing their lunch,
1: to oh, say nice. it in a
0: neat way. Um, so, yeah, the advice also online is if you're going to try the VR experience with Breath of the Wild, since you can play the whole game in VR, turn off motion controls before you start playing and you should be fine because then you're just controlling the camera with the right analog stick and, yeah, you should be fine with that. Um, although, I'm not sure if you want to play that the whole way through. But what's the added again, benefit,
1: then? If you turn that off and you use the right stick to move the camera,
0: then what use does VR have? The 3D depth. But even then, that's not great because the resolution is kind of poor. And you're missing some very vital HUD information. You don't have your minimap anymore and you can barely see your health. Okay. Like, you really have to look up in the corner of your eye, like in the upper left corner, to see, oh, that's how much health I have left.
1: Yeah, because, yeah, I, I wouldn't know why they would add VR to this game if they're doing it the way they that you're telling
0: me right now. I think they just experimented with it and thought it was good enough for just a free thing because it is free. You don't have to pay for it and it's not a mandatory way of playing. If you want to play it that way, you can, but you don't have to. So I think it was just kind of a little something that to them worked okay enough to give people kind of kind of a little taste of what VR um, open world can be where you move freely at least because most games, most VR experiences, you're not really moving around freely and in Breath of the Wild, you kind of can, but the resolution is also kind of low. So why would you do it that way? It's not the best way to experience Breath of the Wild. I will say that though. Yeah. It's a bummer. Yeah. On the other side, I also bought the expansion pack, one of the, one of the expansion packs for Labo. Um, as I stated in our last episode, I bought the starter kit, which just comes with the VR goggles and the blaster. So a couple of weeks ago, I bought the VR kit uh, expansion pack number one, which comes with the camera and the elephant kit, which are both really cool kits. Um, the camera kit is exactly what it sounds like it is a camera labo set where you look into a virtual sea or a virtual house with a virtual pet in it but that one is not that interesting in my opinion the sea one is way more fun because you get to do some underwater photography with it Um, and the more pictures you take of new fish the more different fish and mammals come about i've still yet to see any dolphins though but i have taken a picture of a shark Ooh. and the luckness monster huh? and aliens yeah it it's nintendo don't overthink it <laughs> <laughs> but uh, okay. yeah, yeah it, it is a it, it is a fun experience with the camera um but obviously the first thing that people are thinking about is where is Pokemon Snap 2? Nintendo, you have to have it made. And honestly, yeah, they totally should do that. If they don't do it, it's a missed opportunity. And they only have their self to blame. Okay. Because I would love to do this in VR. Because, because the way Pokemon Snap works, you're on, you're on rails and you're looking around. So this totally works on VR. Like, why nobody's brought it up yet with Nintendo, I have no idea. But, um, yeah, hopefully, someone is getting the message there and like calling HAL Laboratories and having that stuff made. So, <laughs> um, but the other thing was the elephant kit, which is a really interesting one because the elephant kit is two things it has two experiences one is a marble game where you have to solve the puzzle by. Moving pieces around so that the marble can the marble sorry not marble marble can go through certain amounts of rings to complete the the puzzle um, which is really cool because it used the h d rumble feature within the uh, within the joy cons so you can actually feel the marble rolling over the surface that you're grabbing and holding on to it's a really weird sensation because you're like, oh my god, it actually feels like there's a marble rolling over like this flat surface that i'm holding. It's so crazy, and uh you have other materials in there. You have this uh glass tube that it can roll through, and it feels like it's rolling through a glass tube. Oh man, it's weird. I just get <laughs> just thinking about it
1: um,
0: oh. but the But the other thing that you can do with it is make 3 d drawings um. With, with the Elephant Joy-Con and it, at Toy-Con, and it is a really fun experience. It's very accurate um, and it's a very cool way of doing 3D tracking without technically having the capability built in. Uh, what they do is um, the front of the Elephant uh, Toy-Con has these IR markers on it, which it uses as uh, positioning in combination with the gyro and the accelerometer and the IR camera that 's built into the right joy con, so when you bring it in you 're bringing it closer to the markers so it knows that it 's closer to the markers and you're you see it coming close to your face um, the pen or whatever or whatever to you 're holding, and when you move out, it goes in and it 's just so amazing. It's ridiculous that it actually works. That <laughs> those are the fun aspects of the Labo VR. Uh, and yeah, I've been making some art in Labo. Um, big shock! I suck at drawing in 3D, but uh, yeah, I mean, if any, if they can do it, why can't I? So I've been doing that, and I've been enjoying that a lot. So that was good to hear. And of course, the other thing that i've been playing of course, is uh horizon zero dawn um I've been trudging along uh methodically um i should be i think i'm about seventy five percent done um i' I'm at this point where they're talking about like a big no point of no return kind of thing, so I'm just doing a couple of more side missions to um uh, to build up my arsenal and um, get a few, a few more skills in before I dive in I to this uh, dungeon. Host.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah, it's at um. What is it called again? Sun. Sun. Uh. Something like Sun, Sunville or Sunstone or something like that. Um, it's been so long so, yeah. since I played those games, so I honestly don't know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's at that point if you guys know if you've played uh Horizon Zero Dawn, you know, you know what I'm talking about. So uh yeah, it's been yeah, it's been going well. I mean, I'm 70 hours in now, so uh I've been plodding around method- methodically and uh, enjoying the game. Dying, nice. trying again, dying, trying again. Yeah. Circle of life. That's kind of how the game works. Yeah, true. But uh yeah, I'm yeah, I'm. I really want to finish this game because I, I'm kind of curious to see what the what the whole end is. Because at this point, the whole story is just like, okay, so, uh, like, what the hell happened to the world, and how did how did we get here?
1: I I thought it was a really it's satisfying just, story. I,
0: I'm intrigued. I mean, I want to see how it ends. I how Eli became a mountain baby so yeah. yeah how how do you become a mountain baby that that, yeah. that that's the big, that's the big mysteries of life mountain babies <laughs> i think they really made right. the part about her being an outcast yeah yeah they totally did yeah 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 that that yeah that is something uh and they did that really well because when you're out in the world um if you run into to other Noras, they uh, Noras that know of your story will know, Oh, you're that outcast. What are you doing here? Why did they make you a seek? Wait, a seeker? Yeah. Uh. So yeah, it, it, yeah. They they really handle that really well, and the way your your stories are building up, and you hear people talking about you when you walk by past them. Oh, she took down that big. They, that big metal demon blah 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 oh it was her the one who can control the metal the the metal and the metal creatures and mounts them and takes them down and blah 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 and you're like yeah, I love yeah blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm 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 a badass yes <laughs> you best recognize <laughs> yeah oh, but boy. yeah she is a she's a badass and even even the people that try to take advantage of her when they ki- when she kicks their ass, they're like,
1: "Ah, <laughs> oh, no, I peed my pants."
0: <laughs> you should become no, a voice actor for the game. <laughs> I literally just finished a side quest with a dude just being all, all afraid and like, "Open up, let me." Oh, oh, hey, it's you. Uh, uh, uh. Before you say anything. Uh, you can take my finger, or better yet, take my hand, or better yet, chop off my whole arm. That's my final offer. Like, oh, wow. Really? wow. Wow, you're pathetic.
1: Okay. <laughs> you instill fear, where do you go?
0: Exactly. That is the Aloy way. <laughs> the Mountain Baby way. Instead of, uh, it is the Jedi way. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, I guess that's it for what we've been playing. Um, so, stick around, and we'll come back with our final segment, which is the Hidden gems.
1: Yay! Alrighty, welcome back to our final segment, the Hidden gems. I think I'll kick this one off, because I'm really yeah it's a quick one i'm going to talk about uh, my hidden gem which is uh, dynasty warriors um, dynasty warriors has a um, what do you how should i put it a, a long mixed, history a long history and a mixed reputation if you're a fan of the franchise you will love every game if you're not a fan of the franchise, Or if you've never played it and you're not really into this kind of game, you will never love it. Um, True. Really dumbed down, it is a mindless, button-bashing, hack-and-slash game. And I really like that. It's just what I said, mindless button-bashing, and I kind of like it. Um, The game set during the romance of the Three Kingdoms era in China, which is an era in Chinese history in which there were multiple great kingdoms um, which were all fighting for the control of the country and becoming the emperor or the leading faction in the country. Um, you have factions which are called Wu, Wei, and Shu, and you can pick different characters from those factions, and the character you pick basically is a hero slash a general in that faction, and they all have their own backstory and their own um quests kind of that they take on in uh, in the story um, every game has because it's set in the romance of the three kingdoms era every game has the same battle so there's a the, it always starts out with the yellow Turban rebellion as it is called and then generally you move on to the battle of the hulao gate so all the battles are always the same it's just that with each progressing game they add new mechanics and they improve the environment and stuff like that and so Basically, what you do is you start a, a a mission or a battle and then your objective is to kill the ultimate bad guy in that level, uh, but you can take your time and you can kill all the other enemy generals if you want. You can push with your armies because there's a lot of soldiers around you that will fight with you. Um, it's not really the most technically high-tech game there is. It's kind of simple in a way what does it but it does it in in my opinion it does it well if you're a fan of the franchise well it's it's
0: also it's also with a purpose that they do that because they want to present with they want to present the player with as many enemies to slaughter as possible
1: yeah and there are battles in which i've had instances in which i've killed a thousand soldiers um, in those battles, which is really cool. If you really get that, and then all the generals start to give you compliments, and they say like, "Oh, wow, you're a true hero of the Three Kingdoms." And they're like, <laughs> "Hell yeah, I'm a true ki- hero of the Three Kingdoms. I killed a thousand people. <laughs> other people call you me a today. <laughs> Yeah, other people would call me a mass murderer, but I'll take hero anytime. Um, <laughs> yeah. So specifically, I picked up Dynasty Warriors Nine uh, a couple of weeks ago. And the fun part about Dynasty Warriors 9 is that it kind of changes the formula up a bit. Um, it introduces an open world, which which wasn't present in the previous game. So you can go wherever you want to be, there's dynamic weather, you can okay. have bodyguards with you, you can have, uh, you can level up your character. Um, it's going towards a bit of an open world RPG-esque Game um, and I really like it. Um, Graphics-wise, they they stepped up, so it looks better. There's more mechanics in it. This time you can swim, you can climb, mm-hmm. you can uh, shoot with a bow, you can change your weapons because normally the hero or the general you choose is uh, specialized in a type of weapon and it has a custom weapon made for him. There's, uh, for example, the leader of the sheer faction, which is called Liu Bei, has a um, in the in one of the earlier games he had this beautiful a broadsword but for example in Dynasty Warriors 9 he has two uh, swords and then you have different styles of swords you can use but you can also equip um, spears or whatnot so there's also variation in there in that your character is not specifically bound to his weapon class. Um, Yeah the the tricky part is is I like this game. This game is a hidden gem for me because uh, after a long day if I just want to play something simple I can just sit down and button bash my way through and if you're really into these movies like I don't know Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit or I don't know Kingdom of Heaven or Gladiator where you are where you see that hero on screen that slaughters hundreds of people and is the savior of the day if you kind of like those movies and you kind of want to have a feeling like that then Dynasty Warriors is a perfect game in which you can have that feeling you can you are the person that makes the impact so based on where you go with your soldiers and who you attack, you are the one that's, that's making the difference, kind of like in those movies. And that's what I love about those games.
0: Yeah, that is cool. And for those that um, maybe are not, don't find the romance of the three kingdoms uh, an appealing aspect, they do have a bunch of spin-offs. spinoffs. Uh, one of the first ones they did, I think was the Gundam one
1: yeah that's also yeah there's also a gundam one
0: what was that one called again i think it was called gundam uh i know it was on the ps3 era yeah it was a ps3 game i think it was called gundam i know like unofficially it's called gundam musou it's called uh,
1: dynasty warriors gundam and then there was The the first one came out in two thousand seven. The second one came out in two thousand eight. The third one came out in two thousand ten, and there was one in twenty thirteen, which was called Dynasty Warriors Gundam Reborn. Oh, I didn't know it was so many. I only thought they did the two, but there's also a three and a Reborn. Yeah, Yeah, but yeah, the the developer behind is Omega Force, and yeah, the 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 Warriors franchise, to put it that way, is there. Kind of game so they they also do so, a game called samurai warriors which is set in japan but it's the same kind of game they do
0: warriors oroichi. not to be confused with sengoku basura because that's the Capcom game uh yeah the, yeah this one the japanese call,
1: name for this one is sengoku musou i believe um yeah. they also do warriors oroichi which is a kind of monsters it also has kind of monsters and demons in in it um, I know that they tried something else by doing a game set in the Trojan War era on PS3. Um, oh, I haven't played that one. I kind of do want to play that one still. Yeah. And um, they uh, they did Fire Emblem Warriors, which came out two years ago. They yep. did Hyrule Warriors, which came out a couple of years ago. Yep. I think I the Hyrule it.
0: Warriors was really well received. Yeah, Hyrule Warriors was really well-versed. At, yeah. at least better than Fire Emblem Warriors, but that's because the roster in Fire Emblem Warriors was also way smaller than Hyrule Warriors. Because by the time that all the DLC came out, the the, the roster was huge! Which is ironic, because it started off with a small roster. Yeah. yeah they, I mean, comparatively, yeah. Yeah, they. I believe they also
1: did something in the... Dragon Quest uh, franchise. Yeah. Dragon, Dragon Quest, Quest Heroes. Heroes 1 and 2. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the yeah. cool part that they kind of have the other franchises they work on. They, um, they did the Attack
0: on Titan games for the consoles. Yep. Which and... they um, I played the demo of the second game. It's not that bad. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Swing in, the, the swinging mechanic is really sweet. Yeah, they, and they're um, also working on the Persona 5 one yeah I saw that yeah that was kind of surprising <laughs> that was really depressing Persona we were,
1: 5 scrambled the Phantom
0: Strikers we were promised a Persona 5 game for Switch and it's this no but there is a Persona 5 game coming to Switch right yeah that's this
1: no 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 I mean there, there's another Persona game coming to Switch I thought I read it somewhere no,
0: that's this. Nani? Yeah. Persona 5 The Royal is a PlayStation 4 exclusive. Persona oh. 5 Scramble, the fan- the Phantom Sc- Strikers, that's this. And it's Switch and PS4. Yes. You should be happy that this game is coming to
1: uh, You should be happy that the Persona game is coming to Switch. Nobody cares about Switch. You should be happy. But
0: it's a musou game. <laughs>
1: That makes, that makes it even more fun that makes
0: it even more fun we were promised the full fledged RPG ah too bad for you you get a Muso game I have <laughs> enough Muso games thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> at least you have Hyrule Warriors yeah ah, true yeah. yeah.
1: anyways that's uh, my hidden gem so if you like these kind of games this game is perfect for you I uh, bought it for twenty euros, so it's not a big, it's a big investment. If you're not in these kind of games, you know, then find something else
0: to play. <laughs> yeah, try Sangoku Basara, which is equally awesome but more fanciful, and set in Japan. I actually mm. played that I, that that one on the PlayStation Three with my cousin. That was really awesome. Hmm. Yeah. I still Good want
1: talk.
0: to try the Hyrule Warriors. I'm kind of curious for that one. Do you have it A Switch? I have it on. I have it on Wii U, so we can always try it whenever.
1: Mm, Wii U.
0: Yeah, we'll have to try it. Yeah. So speaking of uh, China and growing larger, my China will gem grow larger. On... <laughs> <laughs> my gem is about something that we touched upon a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, and actually. Um, which was uh, Command & Conquer Generals, uh, a RTS game which seemingly doesn't seem to exist anymore these days and age, but a really good one. It's a spinoff of the Command & Conquer series. Um, it was not my first RTS that I played. My first RTS that I ever played was a little game called Total Annihilation. I don't know if you've heard about that one. But I got it free with the PC that we bought back in the day, in the late 90s. If you remember the brand Packard Bell, uh, yeah. Um, They would call it Packard Hell, I believe. Yeah, that was its nickname. But it came with total annihilation, and I was very grateful for that. Because every other game that came with it was either for kids, or it sucked, or both. So, yeah. But that's my first foray into uh, in, into the RTS franchise, and I really sank my teeth into Command and Conquer Generals when my cousin introduced it to me. He's like, "Hey, we're playing this game on PC, and you finally have a broadband internet connection, so we can actually play against each other. Here, have the game. I have the game. Let's play it together." And half we fun. all have the game. <laughs> So uh, yeah, that was my first introduction. That was my proper introduction to the to the Command and Conquer franchise, and I have to say I loved it a lot. I played a ton of the single player. I played a ton of the multiplayer with my cousin against my cousin, my cousin against the PC, my cousin against other people. It was just a whole bunch of fun. I love that game. Yeah. I mean, you play. You can play as different factions through the single player or in the multiplayer. You can play as uh, a surrogate for the U.S., um, which technically it is the U.S., but the, they're called some, something slightly different. Uh, and then you have the, uh, the the terrorist faction. You have China. You have Russia. No, um, I believe you only
1: had three factions
0: was it, three? I thought you had four.
1: Um, let's see. You had the GNA, which was the terrorist uh, faction. You had the Americans yeah. and you had the Chinese. Oh, really?
0: How, did, how yeah. did I think there was a fourth faction? Maybe a red or two. Yeah, true. But uh, yeah, it was really awesome. It had these really fun quips from every faction. I mean... They were super stereotypical, but I I'm not sure if they would fly in 2019. But they were just so hilarious and just so on point. And as and as Sean just ex, uh, ex, uh, ex sampled, just just one sample, uh, where if you're if you're building uh, for with the Chinese faction, the builders say says stuff like, China will grow larger, (laughs) and Uh, And, and, yes, General. And then you have specialized units. For example, uh, China has the hacker, um, which is a female spy who can lose invisible as long as she's not doing anything, who can infiltrate, she can hack military bases, she can hijack uh, facilities uh, for for you to use Um, and then you have the Americans that are more about the firepower so they have the stealth bombers Uh, and then you have the GLA which are the terrorists which mm, borderline racist but also like not really Um, they do wear turbans some of them like the suicide bomber which is one of their special guys yeah it's that kind of terrorist um but yeah i mean they all have their own specialties um in building units and building facilities um but it's all kind of evil leveled out so it's a level playing field so even if you don't have a spy you have your own kind of special tactics guy and I think the US had had basically their their version of Rambo who just charges in and is overpowered and has a lot of firepower for just one guy who just runs into <laughs> runs into the enemy base and just shoots it up <laughs> <laughs> Oh man I miss some games games Oh man it's such a good game and it actually got a sequel called Command and Conquer Generals zero, uh, zero Hour? Yeah, it was an expansion. Yeah, Zero fact. Hour. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was fun. It, it added more stuff. It added more maps. It added more uh, missions to the single-player. No, that was a completely new single-player campaign, actually, in fact, for that one. Yeah, I believe they also added aircraft
1: carriers and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, exactly. You had sea. You had sea warfare, which you didn't have in the base game. So yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Too bad it doesn't exist anymore. Thank you, EA. But uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe someday uh, we'll do something with uh, Command and Conquer Generals, uh, and you guys get to see it. So,
1: well, I don't know if you read it, but. Um... EA has announced that they're working on a remake of Command and Conquer and Command and Conquer Red Alert. They're, they've partnered with the Petroglyph, which is a studio made up of former veterans from Westwood Games, which was the original developer of the Command and Conquer franchise, and some of the old developers of Westwood and Petroglyph are working together to
0: remake those games. So hopefully like, like remake this- remake them or Remake them into a mobile game.
1: Uh, remake remake is in a PC game.
0: Oh, that is actually nice. Yeah, so I don't
1: know if it's going to come out this year or next year, but uh, that would be really cool. I mean, a remake of Red Alert. I cannot wait to be honest.
0: I hope they show something off at uh, EA Play this year. That would be really really cool. Yes, it would.
1: Oh my god! I get All right. Read? yeah man yeah e
0: three is around the corner ladies and gentlemen it is only a good four weeks oh my goodness it's a good four weeks away yeah yeah we need to uh you're prepared right because i'm prepared man i uh i'm ready i got my snacks i got my popcorn i got my sodies i took time from work same here so uh we're gonna do a special uh, uh, game rivals uh, thingy. Yes, we're gonna do some uh, special game rivals episodes for the for E3 week. So look forward to that. Um, other than that, uh, do you have anything else that you wanna say to the audience before we sign off?
1: I'm all good. I just can't wait for you to do your ad underscore wada wada uh, exclamation point stuff again. So why do not you just take us out? <laughs>
0: All right. (laughs) So uh, thank you guys for listening to another Game Rivals episode. Um, As always, you can find us uh, on any podcasting app. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on uh, Google Podcasts. You can find us on Anchor, of course. You can find us on Overcast, Spotify, and whatever podcasting app that you use to listen to podcasts. You can find us on the social medias uh, on Twitter at game underscore rivals underscore. You can find me at Maximilian. Um, you can also email us at game rivals feedback at gmail.com. So that's it for this week. Thank you guys for listening. Please continue to spread the word of game rivals. We hope to make more game rivals out of you, and we hope to meet more game rivals uh, on the internet. So, this is Mike Maximilian X. And this is Sean Templer. Signing off, and wishing you guys a good one. Bye.